Dog Show 9000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com, the final comedy website. I'm Web 1.0 through 9.0's Sean Baby, and I'm joined by Connecticut's representative in the Dick Fight Island tournament, Robert the Rock Entry Way Brockway. Ooh, I'm going to split so many dicks. That's my move. I'm taking it. Uh, here's a Brockway fact. Technically, I own a small town in Virginia and all of the tragedies that happened there. No follow-up questions. God damn it. Our guest is a champion of internet hilarity as the longtime chief of Cracks.com, creator and host of the Daily Zeitgeist, along with the NBA podcast, Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. It's our old friend, Jack O'Brien. Yeah. Welcome we finally got him. We finally got that Jack money. Here. Got that Jack guy. <laughs> oh, man. I love... I- I love how stupid the title of our NBA podcast is that it's I feel, real good. feel Im- very embarrassed anytime somebody else has to say it. Oh, I'm just glad you to took some it. heat off of the dog zone 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> I actually talk like that. I say a lot of things have mad boosties. That's just real conversational for me. It flows right off my tongue. Yep. A lot of people are saying it. Um, the the good news about having such a bad title is the SEO is great. There's, Oh yeah. Like when you, type mad boosties it is uh basically an urban urban dictionary thing about i i forget exactly what what they say it means but it's hor- horrifying oh it's always <laughs> horrible it's always it's not just an utterly podcast, vile. yeah uh, and we got the actual nba to uh agree to sponsor it so it's it's very very weird that's pretty cool is that a daily a daily no, podcast no 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 it's weekly so you only have the one daily podcast yep one daily podcast that we do twice a day now. People uh, want to listen to way too much of me. You can go to the Daily Zeitgeist. Um, do you think you work more now than uh, than you did at Cracked? Because I know you worked very, very hard back in the day. No, I don't work as hard as I did back then. Oh, well, uh, that's good. That was that was bad. That was yeah, I don't either good. because I would be dead. Yeah, we would all be dead <laughs> if that happened. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, that was that was too too much uh, working on a comedy thing, but it was it was fun. Uh, but yeah, it also sucked. But your expertise will be very valuable today because we are talking about um, the history of humor magazines in the 1950s, starting with the creation of Mad Magazine all the way up to the creation of Cracked Magazine. Yes. So, uh, did Are you read a lot of learning Madden? something today? Oh, we're going to learn a lot. What? Uh, now, keep in mind, my research was based mostly on the text of the art. Like, I read the actual magazines, is what I'm saying, and I didn't like read a whole bunch of books about behind the scenes and oral histories and things like that. So, uh, a lot of what I'm talking about is just things they wanted us to see, not necessarily like backstabbing by the editors or who stole what, etc. Uh, anyway, uh, Jack, did you read a lot of Mad Magazine as a kid? I did not. I also did not read a lot of Cracked Magazine. I was just just in it for a job in comedy <laughs> when, when I started. And people sure. were like, this is a fucking travesty to uh, everything that Cracked stood for. And I think that helped yes. me. The fact that I did not read a lot of Cracked or Mad Magazine, that I did not uh, feel bad about that when people yeah. told me I had ruined Cracked Magazine. That's- Probably fine. I would say that Cracked and Mad were pretty interchangeable when I was a kid. Uh, both of them had incredible John Severin art and just dog shit CinemaSins level of observational comedy. Uh, like anyone who thinks that Robot Chicken makes sad and clumsy jokes, go find a 1980s Mad magazine. But uh, that being said, 
there are many contributors and some of them were very funny, trying crazy shit and uh, doing real high effort joke dance parodies. And uh, when I say crazy shit, I mean, they sometimes just fucking went for it. I have a three page bit here that I clipped uh, in the doc. I'd like you to look at it. Uh, for obvious right. reasons, I don't want you to just start reading from it. I just want you to take a look at it. Okay, we, are we allowed to open this top secret doc now? Sean open sent the us, top secret doc. Sent us a I'll document and is like, don't look at it. It's sealed. <laughs> I have to pull like a ribbon somehow on my monitor and it unra- I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, oh my God, this is the worst. eyes and brain off. This to, is the worst this gift moment. anybody's ever gotten me. Wow. So, do you, this was 1986, this came out, uh, published what? in Mad Magazine. What do you think you would do if this came across your desk uh, as an editor at Cracked? Like, like, would you call the police? Uh, <laughs> try to describe what you're looking at uh, as tactfully as possible. I, I mean, it's um, it reminds me of like the very the very racist World War II propaganda posters. Um, yeah, but like kind of worse a little bit. Oh no! Because it's very contemporary. I just, yeah. I just saw the song to the tune of Lionel Richie's "All Night Long." Yeah. Oh, that's keep so de- much. Keep worse. describing. Keep tell the people. What uh, are you well, I'm at? greeted with all capital bold letters that say "All White Song," uh, sung uh-huh. to the tune of Lionel Richie's "All Night Long," and uh, it's surrounded by armed racists and war crimes. Drawings of armed racists and war crimes. And, exactly uh, right. I haven't read through and all the- of these lyrics, but it appears to be yes. It is a hate crime. You've sent me a hate crime and made me I complicit. I sent you a hate crime, yes. This is a pro, sarcastically pro-apartheid uh, Lionel Richie parody song. Yes. this I remember this as a kid. Uh, I guess I was 10 years old seeing this and just being like, I mean, I grew up real country with like full on racism and seeing this and being like, I just didn't know people were capable of something like this. Yeah. <laughs> and. the time has dulled the shine of this sarcasm i did not get that it was sarcasm yeah it's real hard to find the tone of what they were going for but like yeah imagine this came across your desk and someone say hey i have an idea for a funny article it's two pages of a lionel richie parody song love Uh, it yeah it's about apartheid (laughs) right away Uh (laughs) okay that's you're losing me a little right does remind me of a lot of the stuff that brockway would (laughs) pour it along be like it's, right. maybe. it's another it's another Lionel Richie song, but bear with me. <laughs> it's funny you mention because there's a three page bit and the third page is sung to the tune of hello and it's jello. Yeah. And so like that's like interchangeable <laughs> no, for no them to that one. Comedy wise. Yes to all white song. No no to Jello. Horrible racism Jello? versus Yeah. See you would sing that one. Yeah. What would it take to get you to sing all white song? Like say <laughs> Who, who's whose so head do we have to put jello. a gun to? <laughs> so much jello. Yeah. Three weeks worth of jello. I sing the racist song. Um, <laughs> oh, what's no, nope. Yeah, no wrong. The um, the fact that just uh, speaking as a uh, editor that they got through with all white song and we're like that worked so well that we're not even going to wait another issue to do yes. another Lionel Richie parody. We're gonna. Just go go right back to it. Exactly. And the comedy rule of two. Uh, you do one thing. <laughs> two. <laughs> really hitting that second beat hard, sticking it to Jello. Uh, so uh, anyway, Mad Magazine survived this somehow. They're still around, kind of. Uh, they even scooped up some of the people we worked with uh, after the second or third corporate merger cost everyone their jobs. 
So, uh, but now we're going to go back very far in time to 1952, to the very first issue of Mad Magazine. Uh, now, it started like any other Golden Age comic where, with basically four dist- distinct stories. Uh, the first one was called Hoo-Ha! And it was uh, a pretty straightforward horror story where a couple breaks down um, outside a creepy house. They go inside, find a creepy old man. He opens a closet, reveals a ghost. But the ghost is actually two kids in a ghost costume. So it's a reverse Scooby-Doo. And this is 52. So this is 10, 15 years before Scooby-Doo. Then there's a reveal at the end. The old man was a ghost the whole time. So it's a twist. Second reverse Scooby-Doo. Double reverse Scooby-Doo. Uh, I Urban Dictionary mention- had some foul things to say about that one. <laughs> Don't look up Mad Boosties or second reverse Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, and no then jokes. it turns into a Lionel Richie parody. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Which again, weirdly prophetic. Uh, no, no jokes, I guess, was the point I should have made earlier. That um, this is almost just a straight horror story like you'd, you'd find in horror comics at the time. Uh, the next one uh, I did take a clipping from. It's called Blobs. It's a sci-fi dystopia set in the year 1 million AD where humans are so lazy their bodies have atrophied and they ride around in rolling deck chairs with soft drinks. Oh, we did that too. Fulfilled by robots. Yeah. So it's just a regular non-reverse Wally. One of the blobs asks the other blob what happens when the robot that fixes the broken robots breaks and it sets up what I think is the greatest full page punchline. If one of you would like to describe this, please. Is this a play on the word break and break like breaks of a car and something breaking? No, I, no, it's just the this this guy can't be interpreting this right. Is this <laughs> so, no? They, just one of them occurs to them that hey, if robots do everything, what happens when the robots break? And the other one says, hey, no, no, no. There's a robot that fixes the robots, and he's like, wait, wait, what if that one breaks? Okay, and then it happens, and then, then it happens, and then here we are. And then they look out, and it slowly breaks and is destroyed, and uh, they are thrown all about their little dome, and it says. Uh, leaking uranium, boop bop, and then a very slow pan on a dead baby. Yeah, as a spider yeah. makes a, a web over its face. What the? F- <laughs> Is that right? A real slow That's push it. on the dead baby's face <laughs> as the spider makes a web over it. Yeah, and then the final then, punchline. Yes, dear reader, the machine did break. That's the end. That's the end of the whole thing. There's not a gag after that. It's the, like a their society collapses, a baby dies, and it's it, it died. <laughs> it's like an ennui fucking <laughs> reverse tales from the crypt is what we're looking at here. <laughs> I, this was the this was the comedy magazine that changed the world <laughs> is the point. Uh, the next story is called Ganefs, which sounds like it must be something backwards, but it's not. It's about a gangster who steals money and his car boat and henchmen get shot to pieces until all he has left on a tiny desert island is a stolen box of money. And it turns out to just be a stink bomb. So it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode, but less funny. That's a Tales from uh, the Crypt. That's that's yeah, exactly that's a, when they have a little punchline and it cuts to the Crypt, right. the creeper, crypt Keeper and he's just... <laughs> right. He had like a little pun about it. it smells. smells like he made the bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, money turns into a stink bomb? Yeah, he opens up the box of money. He's like, oh, my precious money. And it's just a stink bomb. And then he's just holding his nose while like a little mushroom cloud of stink comes off his desert island. This and, truly uh, feels like the random firings of like my four-year-old's brain. Like, the, yeah, it, every it sounds like a child. Like how they think humor works. <laughs> and then there's a dead baby and a spider makes a web over his face. Yeah. Like people are always like getting killed. Robots are always killing or get it like getting broken apart. And then Honey, like, I think the pandemic is affecting our child. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's dark stuff, but it's... Uh, it could have been a pro comedy writer in 1952. Yeah. It's com- this is complete insanity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next story is called Varmint. All these stories have exclamation points. Uh, it's about a gunfighter who wanted revenge on the man who killed Melvin. So he killed an entire town. And then a little guy says, hey, wait, I think you actually accidentally killed Melvin. So he kills himself. And I'm making it sound too funny. Uh, so that's it. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I was on board with that one. <laughs> so two of the stories end in tragic, sort of ironic genocide. One is a weird morality tale. And one is a double reverse Scooby-Doo, which again does not mean a regular Scooby-Doo, but two reverse ones. And that was the magazine everyone says, oh my God, we need to copy this exactly. So uh, two years later, uh, Entertaining Comics published Panic with uh, a disclaimer that they were actually the first Mad Magazine. They wrote a full page of inside jokes, not inside baseball jokes, just like inner office jokes about a guy named uh, Harvey Kurtzman who stole their manuscript and published it as Mad Magazine. And they were going to publish it first, but they said, oh, no one's going to buy a comedy magazine. And then people started buying Mad Magazine. And so they're like, okay, now we're going to sell it. Um, I did uh, clip that if you want to take a look. It's it's, it's not really worth reading. It's just, um, it's a weird way to open a magazine. Hey, we were first. No, wait, we weren't. We were only kidding, but we weren't kidding. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Well, I'm just a little confused because you're describing it as a magazine, but the cover clearly says, this is no magazine, exclamation point. So, you know, they mean Mm -hmm. this is a panic. Right. Um, And, um, you want to describe the, the cover, like what they thought was like the best first joke they could have had. I mean, there is Santa's coming down, uh, into a bear trap and there is a kid, um, who looks like he's suffered some sort of brain trauma, just like looking on evilly um, Mm -hmm. at Santa, who's about to have his leg um, caught, caught in a bear trap. Although it, it also like Santa's leg is at such an angle that it seems like he might've already cut Santa's leg off. And this might be like (laughs) something that he's. Yeah. He's not, he's not coming down even. (laughs) He's already, he's already botched that landing and then he's going to land in a bear trap. So it's like a gremlins. This is like a gremlins. Yeah, but he's kind of a shaved baboon thing. So it's like it's like teaching a shaved baboon to gremlin. Right. Well, I meant the plot of gremlins when the Santa Claus gets oh, caught in the chimney. But and yeah, but you see died. how he could also be a kind of gremlin. Yeah, but this guy is definitely some kind of a kobold. He's not like a not fully human, at least. Yeah. Uh, no, no lot, no words. Just like, wouldn't it be That's funny enough? if a child murdered Santa Claus? Yep. Uh, it would. And then be. the weird. Very. Funny. <laughs> It would be pretty funny. Uh, So it opens with a hard-boiled detective story called My Gun is the Jury. That must be 9,000 words long. It's like the wordiest, most (laughs) convoluted comic. Uh, The detective is a sadist who constantly breaks the fourth wall, referencing the reader's need to see blood, but not in a funny way. Like, I feel like they must be referencing some movie that- You monsters. Yeah. Uh, It's more of like a psychologically revealing way, like a murderer wrote a comic book and didn't know there was a second kind of non-murderer person. So he's talking, hey, you you love murder and blood, right? Yeah, you you get it. Anyway, I have a clip if you'd like to, uh, Jack, if you want to read that that first one, yeah. beginning with She first, Gurgled. Or this, this, is the, this is the opening panel here? Uh, this is just sort of randomly, like okay, third or fourth it, page. It. Um, it opens, she gurgled up at me, spitting blood. She was still alive. I rammed my heel down into her nose, into her face and did a graceful pirouette on her nose grinding in. Jesus. Um, and 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and, pretty fucked up. And then the, the, um, person who is just uh crushing a a woman's face under under his shoe also appears to be like the grown-up version or like the father of the kid from the cover of the magazine like they share a very similar like um you know if if the neanderthals had prevailed in evolution like bone structure Mm -hmm. And uh, he's singing, I think. You're a killer, Sadie. I hate killers. Die, Sadie, die. Die, 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 da dum dum. Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they, they got the funny, uh, cliched rookie cop saying, Ah, oh, Mike, please, you make me sick. Except the ro- rookie cop actually appears to have, have done some time on the force. So it's just yeah. like so gruesome that he can't even, even he can't stand it. He's very flamboyantly spinning around on a dead woman's face. And again, we're seeing great, um, great flexibility in, in the groin region. Uh, we saw (laughs) it with Santa Claus on the cover and now we're seeing Mm -hmm. it, uh, in this pirouette that this person is doing. It was, and maybe remains to be very funny to have like legs spread very far apart. I think that's, I think that's just held true. Well, I think the reason, uh, they're able to do the splits so well is this is a woman disguised as a man, which is another trope from the 1950s that was just universally beloved. Uh, that if you makes so much sense. So this violence is more okay because it's woman on woman. And it's why I'm attracted to the murderer. Is yeah. because- right. That's the only reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and again, so I, it reminds me of my four-year-old sense of humor. So this is, mm-hmm. yeah. They would have had a lucrative career in 1954. <laughs> so uh, I clipped the ending of it and there's no need to read the whole thing, but basically uh, the killer tries to murder another person who tries to murder them back. And they both find out uh, in the very last moments that they were cross-dressing. And I don't know what it reveals. I promise that, that uh, there's no reason to think this means anything. I think it's suggesting that maybe they could have fallen in love, uh, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, it ends with yeah. a murder and and then uh, some reveal of cross-dressing, which again, I want you to try to understand that for some reason in the middle of the 50s, this was just inherently funny. Like if you were dressed as the as, as a different gender, hilarious. Well, let's be fair. Uh, that stayed the case until at least the 80s. I mean, there was that show Tuxie, where they- sure. Where they cross-dressed like Tom Hanks and whoever cross-dressed. Yeah, bosom buddies. What are bosom buddies? Yeah, we did a whole show about that. So that was a, <laughs> that was a mainstay of comedy for a long time. I like how in this in this panel uh, we get a better look at the horrible murderer's face, and then you're like, oh, okay, it's a mask. And he pulls a mask off, and it's a worse face underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it's both just like undead tapeworm face. <laughs> I was an undead tapeworm the whole time. I'm sorry I killed you. Um, the yeah, and and to your point, it ends with and when I so um, I look down Stella. So after killing Stella, this man mm-hmm. who is actually a woman dressed as a man uh, says, "I looked down. Stella's blouse fell away. I gasped. Good Lord, Stella was a man." And when I saw Stella's manly physique, I started to cry. And <laughs> so then, beautiful. Like, I think like the um, form, you know, 
woman dressed as a man wants to like sees like the um manly rib cage of this uh dead person and like wants to fuck them so bad that mm-hmm. they're like Stella don't die don't die we have the whole show uh just the two of us so like it's just overcome with desire and this is uh, solid yeah. comedy yeah it's pretty funny right like there's a lot of Listen, laughs were lean and grim, just like men back in the 50s. Just lean. It was a lean and grim time. Well, uh, the next story is a I'm retelling sorry. of yeah, Little I, Red I have to. I have oh, to read the last um, line. Please, it's very funny. I do yeah, hope yeah. you read it. But Stella died, never even realizing that I, Mike Hammerschlammer, was a woman. <laughs> yeah. Very <funny> name. <laughs> How did no one know from the name? Hey, I'm Mike Hammerschlammer. Wow, you seem like such a, a feminine, <laughs> yeah. beautiful woman. Both a great detective and uh, good at coming up with fake names on the spot. <laughs> uh, the next story is a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, she grows up and she's uh, very hot and everyone catcalls her. But she goes off into the woods with an incel and then turns into a werewolf and eats him. Uh, All right, I like that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Seeing a a trend here about what uh, the types of people who read mad magazine think about women and yeah. what they'll do if you give them a chance. I feel like we're watching <laughs> them figure out what their, what their MO is. They're like, this, we're watching them realize draft by draft what they want to say. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Like, this is the next draft. Okay. So maybe she kills him because all women are murderers. Maybe that's what I was saying with that man dressed as the woman that was the murderer. Right. They're getting there. They're iterating. They're, they're working it out. The next, the next one is called This Is Your Strife, which I think is a, a parody of something called This Is Your Life, which I'm you know too young to remember. But uh, basically, they get a guy on stage and a game show host, game show host leads a whole bunch of people through his life uh, onto stage. And then they all say, oh, yeah, I remember him. He, he killed his wife. And very heavy-handedly, like, drop hints that he killed his wife, and it turns out at the end, oh, he killed his wife, and then they arrest him. And then the game show host sort of turns out to be the devil. Uh, he's also at the end of the Little Red Riding Hood story, so, again, it's very Tales from the Crypt. I don't know why someone thought, like, what if we just did a straight horror comic but called it comedy, and that's what Mad Magazine and all of its knockoffs were for the first part of the 50s. Uh, the did next this one have I'd... something to do with, like, the comics code? Like, when they did that crackdown on horror and... And uh, detective comics, did they have to like rephrase it reluctantly as like, this is comedy now? God, that's an interesting idea. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that these are like, yeah. And then there's a punchline at the end of everyone, but it's still just fucking horror. Still just grim (laughs) murderers. And the punchlines are good. Funny to me. We we should admit like that. Yeah. I I like the one where the robots broke and all the babies died. And the spider was the punchline that it makes a web over the dead baby was. Yeah. The world belongs to the spiders now. Very German. Every good joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next one is called uh, "The Night Before Christmas," and it's just a parody of "The Night Before Christmas." There's no easy way to say this. Uh, It's just a bunch of butchered, endangered animals, and Santa performs in blackface. (laughs) 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 Oh my god, he really does. That's what's going on. Really does. He uh, and he sings. Someone writing this thought. Yep. Uh, classic blackface number, I guess. Uh, 
So the thing that made Panic different from Mad was that it was written by actual murderer madmen, not just uh, funny madmen. Uh, so they also didn't care that they were copycats. They had an ad campaign in 1955 that was more pathetic than you could ever imagine. I actually clipped this. Uh, it, I have it's printed sideways because that's how it appeared in comic books. <laughs> I can't believe how fast we're just <laughs> skipping over Santa and blackface, killing <laughs> we, every. I don't know what, Santa and what blackface are killing every single extinct uh, endangered animal. And we're like, yep, what that's else it. is there to say? It's so funny all on its own, right? Like, what what could you add to it? I'm trying to I'm trying to find any logic to like why the dead animals, like what just what the even what the pitch process was like for not even in the room in the person's head who then pitched out loud. And I'm I'm coming up empty on that one. This one does feel like random brains firing. Yes, and I mean you've seen the stuff I wrote for Cracked. I really like to take. Uh, sensibilities from a different era and map them onto other ones, right? So the idea of taking Santa being a murderer and mapping it onto like a wholesome Santa thing, like you give me that idea, I'm like, okay, there's something there that could be funny. Yeah. And they uh, they just did a very literal interpretation of that. Where like, yeah, Santa Santa would go kill elephants, right? He has a magic sleigh, he would go to Africa and kill all these precious animals, which is what I'd do him. if I had a magic sleigh, right? Uh, like I said, oh no, uh, deadline's coming up. I'll just use this idea. Is this why we're all haunted by the ghosts of racist murderers? <laughs> like, this is our legacy. I understand now. I was always yeah. so confused about that. But yeah, I get it. And, and I will say I deserve it. Yeah. At one point, Santa does come in and say, tennis anyone? Which is a charming line to say. Check, please. Kill someone with a tennis racket, I think, is what's about to happen there. I think Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger could sell it. Yeah. That's a nice, I don't think Santa, I don't think Blackface Santa sells it. I'm I like, think oh. Nick Cage could sell this Mammy rendition. <laughs> That's hot praise. So, uh, Jack, would you like to read this ad for Panic Magazine? Yeah. All right. So, um, it says, um, it, it, it appears to be like a old, Timey, like printing from a Civil War illustration of a battle. Mm. And then they've added one of their little cartoon guys on there. Um, they've also added a, a sign that says Yankee Stadium. He's running away from the battle and he says, no, I said, you can't have my copy of Mad. Um, and then we move down uh, and he they've just pasted the, the same drawing down a little bit lower and it says it's true. I bought the last Mad on the newsstand, but they still have a copy of Panic, which is practically the same. As <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! You should never have to admit it so publicly. Like I know that's what old Cracked magazine was. I've always joked that like you bought Cracked because Mad was out, but then they—it's not a joke. They just said it's the, the quiet part said out loud for sure. <laughs> if Mad sold out, settle for us. We're the settling Isn't there humor. Any other? Because we were very open about how, like, we worked for the uh, descendant of the poor man's version of of Mad Magazine. But like, mm -hmm. th this suggests that it, it was like kind of always an open thing. Is there any other product that people were just like, yeah, no, that shit is so good. Like, we we're trying to be that. And we're not quite that, but uh, what else are you going to do? Like, <laughs> is there any product that's like, if, okay, 
only by us if the other thing is specifically right. sold out. We <laughs> understand the advertising strategy as far as I know from only watching Mad Men, the TV show. But like they oh. weren't just like, well, we kind of suck compared to Coke, but we are not Coke and Coke gets sold out pretty quickly. So if Coke is gone, resort to Pepsi. That's our new tagline. Right. <laughs> This is this is amazing. So we weren't the poor man's Mad Magazine. It turned out there was a poor man's Mad Magazine. We were like lower middle class Mad Magazine. Right. Yeah, there you go. I've just well, moved up in the world. I'm glad I could make you feel better. I think you'll feel only better as we go because oh. next we're doing Snafu, which was the second copycat in 1955 uh, by Stan Lee. And it was a beat for beat remake complete with a knockoff of Mad Magazine's mascot, Alfred E. Newman who Stan Lee called Irving Forbush. Uh, he just added glasses to him. Uh, you can yep. see him here on the cover of um, Snafu. Sure did. Uh, uh, for art, he hired uh, Joe Manili, who basically drew 20 people's worth of art for Marvel Comics uh, every month, and John Severin, who uh, drew for every iteration of every one of these magazines. I'm almost positive. Uh, if you've ever picked up a funny book of any kind, you've seen his art. Um, anyway, he took, uh, Stan Lee took the idea that had already been done twice, and then the actual artists who worked on both those bad ideas and made um, made this. Uh, so let's let's do go to the clip here. I um, I clipped what's happened to our male singers, <laughs> and uh, oh, you see some. That's a great premise for us. What about what's <laughs> happened to our male singers? Is anything there? Is there anything there? So there's some guys dancing around in hats, umbrellas, uh, one of them in full-on blackface, another one with a megaphone. And then the next page is, here are some of today's top song stylists of how relaxed can you get? And then it's, uh, you know, Dean Martin and uh, I, I don't recognize all these men, but um, it then cuts to a Sinatra in the middle, right? I would imagine. Just like skeleton Sinatra, yeah, I, I guess. It's skeleton Sinatra. Um, uh, okay. You'd have to include Sinatra. In this, you got this Norm MacDonald in the upper right. <laughs> like Norm, yeah. Young Norm MacDonald. <laughs> then we got an aging Norm MacDonald a little bit further down. Um, I think that's Paul Giamatti. From the rest Duets. is just Norm MacDonald through the stages of his <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next, uh, the gag, the, the three page punchline leading to uh, oh my God. Julius La Snooza Hour. Uh, and now yawn for my next song. All of that was uh, for this? Yeah, it's three, this. three and they pages. spell out the buildup. If this nonchalant trend in male singers continues, Snafu predicts that we will soon be seeing uh, written on a giant arrow and then um, <laughs> you, a presumably uh, incredibly stupid person, just follows the arrow over to uh, be walloped with this killer punchline. No one saw this coming. I know so. people in the 50s were stupid. And I know children are stupid. And I know everybody just drank lead milkshakes and huffed DDT all the time there. But it still feels like talking down. Yeah. And it's, then it, um, the, This the, is the first time, I will say, that I recognize... Uh, because, like, I... So I was uh, the editor of Crack.com when... It, I, I think I was the only person working on the website and we got lots of submissions and um, this, like some of the early submissions would be stuff like 
man, singers are like really like relaxed now or something, you know, like some observation that like didn't didn't really hold true, but I would like try and stick with it to the end Uh of the humor piece. Um, and yeah, this, this actually feels, uh, recognizable to me. It was from this guy just on a mission. Like I, this is my bit. I do about how singers are too relaxed. I don't think we ever got a submission from John Severin, but we got uh, lots of hate mail from people who thought that we were like pissing on his grave. That we fired. Or, yeah, I got that personally that people thought we fired him and we fired the old staff. Like I took yeah, yeah. like I took his job in the sense that like I ran into his house and knocked him over and grabbed job <laughs> out of his hands and ran away with it. I did. I did promote. I did promote your hire as uh, say hello to the new Severin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really like the clumsiness of the copy at the end. It says, uh, "Wake up, America! Don't let this happen here." Join Snafu's anti-open collar on Singers' shirt crusade. Your contributions are deductible. It's just like this tumbling, like dad sensibilities of comedy. Yeah, uh, like. Oh, it's, it's offensive to me, but I guess the, I included it because um, I guess in 1955, Stan Lee was like, whatever happened to real music when an excitable man in blackface honked through a megaphone? <laughs> and, and so I just wanted to make the point that this was, he was an insane old man a full decade before he created everyone's favorite teen superheroes. Yeah, how point. old like, would this, guy this has, have put him? was an like, elderly man like, hundreds of years ago. I feel like he'd be like 17 now and he's channeling grandpa energy. Yeah. This was 16 years pre-Spider-Man. So, yeah, so that's something. This is teenage Stanley. Yeah, the the What Happened to Our Male Singers page, um, it does have somebody in blackface. So, like, he was like, what happened to the good old days, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's really spelled out. So, yeah. this snafu only lasted three issues. Uh, Stanley eventually looked inward, but not the way you're thinking. He took the same stolen idea and pointed it at himself to parody his own work in the Marvel comedy comic called Not Brand Ech. That was in 1967, and it fucking sucked. Uh, but we're sticking to the 50s. And next up is 1956 with a magazine called oh God, Lunatic. It was just every year. This like, I, I guess I had, I have to stop and appreciate how much Mad must have just shaken up the system. It's just for every year a new ripoff to be. Yeah. launched out there like there must be a market for this as though there are are children out there with just hundreds of dollars every month to buy up every shitty mad magazine ripoff and sort through them it's what an amazing time to be alive <laughs> uh the lunaticle was put out by um uh, myron fass who's very prolific uh he basically put out five magazines about every subject every month until he died uh he hired some pretty incredible artists like joe kubert uh which many Elderly nerds certainly know, uh, but it is just a joyless slog. I didn't clip much of it. It's hard to even tell where the jokes are supposed to be. Uh, I know you guys have seen some rough things come across your desks, um, but it, this feels like that. It's like it's like somebody's first comedy article, and they're just kind of panicking and writing objects that they see in their eyeline. Like this whole comic is just like punchlines or toothpaste, uh, shoe. Uh, I don't know. I I really don't fucking have any idea. I clipped this. If you want to take a look, it's. Um, it's a fake ad for a tube that you can use to look at men while they change into ladies' clothes in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> the naked like, truth about the girl in the locker room. And it just, it's a grainy photo of a man in a wig coyly looking over his shoulder with a towel. 
And then it that's says Jason Pargin. You know that's Jason Pargin, right? <laughs> this, is, this is where we got him from. <laughs> it says kind introducing the like new Pargin, fat honest. sex yeah. high power telescope. The new fat sex high power telescope. <laughs> no notes on the name. Great name. Yeah. Funny um, name. The just I want to read the comment. So like there's a picture of a man with a wig on and a skirt and changing in uh, a sauna. I guess maybe all locker rooms used to be saunas. Um, and uh, it says the naked truth about the girl in the locker room. She's really a boy in the girl's locker room, or is she really a girl in the boy's locker room? She's the girl with the eye stopping figure. And why not? Like at that point, <laughs> what? like they're falling asleep and, and it moves on. Like that's a third. You need, you need to stay awake. You have a concussion. <laughs> well, why not? Why not? She's a woman. Hey, why not? Wouldn't and... you stop to fasten your g- gams limbs on a girl with a girdle around the ankle? She's the girly. <laughs> He's going into deep. We, we need. Oh, we need to stretch her now. <laughs> Fat sex tube. I got the name. Fat sex tube. Okay. Well, that's just genius. He's coming back around. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's... Yeah. I don't know. It's a so it's a telescope. Maybe this was like at a time when telescopes were first becoming available to people at home, and they were like, "That you're gonna want to take that and make it make a joke about a boy dressed as a." Uh, hey, I got a question. <laughs> sure. Uh, why is he wearing the sloppy loose skin of a Bigfoot on his feet? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. What the fuck Very is going interesting on there? Question. What uh, the fuck? Yeah, he's he's got like like a sumo wrestler costume, like that kind of a rubbery giant. I don't know. Just how to on the feet, that. he's just got like the loose skin of of a human <laughs> foot around right. his own feet, right? With pantyhose, and then they go down into huh? What is That's the thesis statement here? What is the premise of any of this? Like, <laughs> yeah. where is even the kernel of a joke? I don't understand. This this truly is just. Unhinged lunacy. Uh huh. I wouldn't That's... even know how to describe to this person what a joke is, like the structure of a traditional joke from here. And then the copy at the end gets taken over by like a pedophile. It's like, and for extra detailed peeping, send for the famous fat sex cyclops lens with hidden quote finger rests for your hot little fingers. <laughs> the underwear yeah. on the wall is the new fat sex living long johns contoured of the itchiest wool. What the. Is that the living long johns? What? What? Yeah, maybe. I'm really glad you guys weren't like, "Oh, I get this," because I was like, <laughs> "No, that's that's my test for for a murderer. Like, that's that's yeah. my Blade Runner test for a killer, is to show them this and be like, if they even smile, like I'm well, pulling the trigger." Yeah, that's good. A good policy. The next next year, 1957, uh, Charlton Comics came out with "From Here to Insanity." And of all the ripoffs so far, it tried to rip off the most things. There's fake ads, puzzles, articles. They did something kind of smart, which was take all the captions from the terrible single panel comics and remove them. And then it was up to you to match them to each other. Uh, they, of course, stole this idea from Mad Magazine. But a puzzle about second rate incompetence is better than just second rate incompetence. Uh, there is an Archie spoof I took a clipping from. It was uh, kind of Archie, but his dad wanted him to be a murderer. And he's like, okay, dad, I'll do it. And he just starts shooting at people. Uh, you can see oh. that he's shooting at his girlfriend and she's running away, narrowly uh, avoiding the bullet. 
and he's Italian in this for some reason because it's important. She's saying eek, and he's saying, "You're right, mommy and daddy. I want to have fun like the other kids. I'm a gonna change my ways. I'm a gonna change my ways." Attaboy, attaboy. And then, uh, then random things start coming through the walls. You see, in that first panel, there's two holes in walls because just like race cars and horses and things will just fly through the walls. Uh, huh. I, like, I'm not sure. I feel like this is like really br- a brilliant artist trying to represent his imagination, just giving out 10% into this concept. Mm-hmm. Like you can see in this, in the panel I included, there's like an ancient Greek hunter t- chasing a unicorn. Yeah. Coming through Unrelated. a wall and it is not commented on. Huh? So it's a comic about parents that want their Italian son to be a murderer. And he is obliging by murdering a woman and yeah. then the, I guess, see, because it's the last thing in the panel, I guess the punchline is that like an ancient Greek hunter busts through the wall to kill a unicorn. I, I feel like maybe the artist said, hey, this is the script isn't funny. What if I add some stuff? Like, what if there's just silly things happening? Yeah, Specify stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like more random shit. Like that, yeah. I I'm trying to like this. Actually, reminds me like the thing about like a race car driving through all of a sudden reminds me of like some of those like 50s. I th- I think they were like called madcap comedies where like just random shit would happen. Mm-hmm. People seem to think that was funny. Like is is that maybe what this is? Just like random? They're just throwing random things in. Were we doing like a first draft on comedy in general by the 50s? Did we just not have like funny down? Like we were just. I know it's something. Is it? Is it maybe the Greek hunter busting through the wall? Let's just see. Let's just see how that goes. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. God, it. <laughs> keep trying. Like they're just fully just guessing, guessing, checking, and like waiting to hear if people laughed at it three months later. <laughs> like we cracked it sometime in, in like 1967. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other clip I took um, is an ad for something called Smellzo. Uh, so <laughs> they, okay. they ran into this problem a lot in this magazine where someone would have an idea like, what about a silly air freshener? And then their mind would shatter. So like, what is happening here? It's it's like a product. Well, Brock, will you know, read this copy? Uh, can I do the image first? Or is that violating your I plan? think that's. I think you should. Uh, the image is of a can of Smellzo, and I, I think it's supposed to be a skunk coming out of there, although it looks like a beaver. It looks like a and, beaver. And uh, everybody around it is drawn in a very grim sort of black and white detective style, like not the wacky sense that I would expect. And they are very much exaggerating how much they hate it and holding their noses. And that's fine until the upper <laughs> left-hand panel has a man blowing his brains out. And again, not in a cartoonish way. He's holding a pistol to his head and he has just blown off the top of his head and is dying. And it yeah, says... The bullet is artistically flying out of the panel. <laughs> and it says, banish ugly household odors forever. Smellzo. No more worries when you cook with garlic. New Smellzo eliminates all odors. <laughs> it's just so vanilla. Except for the suicide. Don't you don't you hate the smell of garlic? Don't you want to blow your fucking brains out all over your family? Don't you want them to see your brains and like taste your memories? Don't you want your kid to do that? Well, no more. Because with no more worries. 
Try this simple so, experiment. The Smellzo Company, makers of Smellzo Candy to eliminate bad breath, and Smellzo Schmaltz deodorant to eliminate underarms. All right. We'll send mm-hmm. you absolutely free a large size pack of wild boars. Oh, God. What? Yeah. See what that, yeah That's just, zany. They didn't have comedy down yet. What's the first movie that you guys thought was like that you can watch and actually get a laugh out loud? Like not not the first in your life, but like just chronologically, what like mm. what year would that be? God, maybe not my top life secret chronologically. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe some parts of Airplane. Like most of it is kind of oh yeah, Rim and Lost. Yeah, I think Airplane is is mine too. And then I've heard, I've been told by comedy geeks that like the Marx Brothers are great, but I can't. No, I never, I never do it. Never that old. I can't really get it. I guess the Three Stooges I liked when I was a kid, uh, they don't hold up super well, but. Yeah, I couldn't get that either. I mean, I never laughed at like a Looney Tunes cartoon either, though. Like I watched them, but it was, I guess, with grim faced curiosity. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Right. But, but yeah, I think (laughs) something like, I think probably Airplane. So yeah, I guess humor was invented in the seventies, and we were just <laughs> just taking stabs at it before then, right? But because they did attack the problem in many directions, they're like, maybe we we give these people wild boars, maybe that's the product, or maybe the product is a stink bomb that they set off after the wild boars leave. Because I think that the copy does go that direction later. Like I think the product is both wild boars and a stink bomb to like get rid of your garlic smell. Like you won't even think about the garlic smell because you got wild boars and a stink bomb to worry about. And again, and of this, course there's a man shooting himself in the head, like a fucking bullet coming out the other side of yeah, his so skull. A dead. very grimly illustrated man uh, committing suicide. Uh, so that he does not have to take part in this world anymore. Uh, but just, I don't <laughs> think this is a real, like a funny ad for a real product. So that makes this like the joke that makes this supposedly a complete joke. Yeah. You're seeing and the beginning, middle, and end of the Smellzo gag. And that's the craziest there's, thing I've ever heard. There's no callback later. There's no Smellzo universe where people use this product later in the comic. It, this is it. I, I guess the, um, like, when I think back, like, other, like, of things that, like, definitely people universally seemed to have agreed were funny, it was the Three Stooges, which is just, like, violence. And we're, we're sure. seeing a lot of that. There's um, like that Lucy thing with the chocolates and people just really went crazy for that shit. And like yeah. that's like chaos. The Sisyphean quest of a chocolate eater. Yeah, yeah. And like chaos and uh, there, there's some of that. And then um, duck soup. So like animal puns. I don't know. They, sure. they, they seem to be real into animals. So maybe they're just like just iterating on like that, those three ingredients over and over again. But with no end game in mind. <laughs> just like, I don't know. I don't know how the fuck they did it. Where, <laughs> where are we going with this? I don't know. What do we want to happen? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Kinda, what if some boars were loose? I, it's silly. I, I, I like the chaos of that. It's like it's in the right area. Yeah, that could happen. That feels like the inside of my head. Sure. Uh, we should have died in the war (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't meant to come home I wasn't meant to so we're going to move on to 1957 to uh, this magazine is crazy this was two months after From Here to Insanity was published by the same company that published it 
And uh, I don't want this to be confused with Crazy Magazine, which was Stan Lee's third Mad Magazine knockoff published 16 years after this. Jesus Christ. Has there ever been anything this ripped off? (laughs) Maybe not. I I can't imagine. So this is probably the worst one of all the ones I read. Uh, I don't know why they did this. Uh, It's like a copy of the fourth knockoff of a bad comic book. The art's like charcoal sketches as if they were desperately behind schedule. And the jokes genuinely feel like placeholders. Like you'll miss the the thought through chaos of Smelzo. It's just like fucking, uh, it's all why not? Like, oh, oh, I'll get to this later. And then that just got left in the final text. I have two clippings. One is from Glum, toothpaste. Uh, Jack, would you do the honors of reading us Glum? Big, big text, Glum. This is by far, this is the only ad I've seen that actually looks recognizably like an ad to me. Uh, I don't know, something they did with the font. They got that. Glum, uh, the only toothpaste you use just once. Um, Just one brushing puts a protective green coat over your teeth. Good for at least a year. Glum is fortified with GI, some bunch of numbers that they thought were funny. The miracle supplement made of ground eel bladders. Um, Hilarious. (laughs) Those are gross. You'll discover children love Glum's flavor so much they'll devour a whole tube at one squeezing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why so many fl- families have switched from Glum. From Glum, the toothpaste you only have to use once. Now, um, I, I are, would. Are they suggesting that you've killed the kids? <laughs> Clearly, maybe. And, and we have like wildly deformed on. people uh, who have been clearly, clearly just maimed by the use of this toothpaste and no longer have mouths. Now, I, I would just like to. Something has occurred to me. And I would like to address the listeners right now and remind them of how grim our mindset is now. And that we have a soundboard with every wacky sound effect and we use it liberally. We have a slide whistle. We could have used a slide whistle at any point up until now. We have a boing. We have a boy o yoing. And uh, it, it's, it, it, it never occurred to us. It never even crossed our mind. There's a fucking ooga in here. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine using it at any point in this podcast. It would never be valid. It would never be earned. There's still two punchlines to read on Glum. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, one thing that's of note is this is the second time that there appears to be a spider web on someone's head. Uh Mm-hmm. The first time being when, when a baby died and they just like pushed on the, uh, now we have somebody whose teeth are rotting out of their head. Um, and a spider web is on top of their head and a spider is like doing wave, waving a yeah. uh, fly towards it. Um, it's weird, is, right? Oh, you know, they're, they're loading up the jokes. They're, they're putting a lot of different <laughs> options out there. A lot of different things you can laugh at. Um, so note, uh, so after after all that text, note glum should not be used on false teeth; they dissolve. Huh. Uh-huh. And then um, again, your girlfriend I, I, will love it, and then it shows a girlfriend whose mouth is a, a asshole. Whose mouth yeah, is a human definitely finger. a butthole mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what I mean by the placeholder joke. Like, don't use on false teeth; they dissolve. That feels like yeah, I'll get back. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something for that. Yeah, it's definitely if I wrote that, I would underneath it be like, okay, think of something real in all capitals. Yeah. The only uh, thing on does... this page recognizable as a joke is the spider 
trying to wave a fly towards the yeah, web. That's cute. I don't know if I'd go as far as joke, but it's like yeah, likable. Yeah. There's a logic to it, I guess. Yeah. But it might sure. make you forget about the grimness of your 1950s child life for like a moment. <laughs> right. I like that he has a, a Band-Aid on his armpit uh, because I think he used Smell Zone and eliminated his own armpit. So that's like a running gag across magazines. Oh, holy shit, that's a joke. That would be, that's recognizable as a running, I don't know what it means, but it's like, <laughs> it's like the the start. If you had why, that evolutionary chart, this there, would be. Other than the smell of it all? Um, I, who could know? I think that was just sort of shorthand for like, this guy's like leading a fucked up life. Like this guy's trash. He's just constantly hurt. Uh, <laughs> 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 The next one uh, is maybe the most unbaked concept I've seen in my entire comedy writing and editing life. It's the idea that Hollywood starlets might secretly be men because Lassie was a boy. So let's look at ex expose apostrophe. I don't think their typographer could figure out how to do the accent. So it says expose apostrophe. Uh, Lassie is a boy. And then it's followed by the one page article it sets up in its entirety. So um, Rockaway, why don't you just uh, read that? Classic punchline. It has come to the attention of your editors that one of the leading television stars of today is parading around each week in front of our innocent children in the guise of a female. When, in reality, underneath that long, silken hair, he is all boy. While okay, we are exposing this dirty mess, the thought has come to us. How many other of our TV queens are fooling us? Okay, so I I know what I'm expecting heading mm -hmm. into the next page, yeah. Um, because because this is a, a drawn magazine, um, so you can do anything you want with uh with these illustrations. So as a punchline, it's not a good joke, but as a punchline, the next page should be famous Hollywood starlets like drawn clearly as men. Yes, right. That's what the joke should be. And right. yet, I believe the joke is famous Hollywood starlets who have luscious pointy titties. <laughs> <laughs> it's and like, and a couple you can see their nipples. Yes, yeah, and it's... you can see the starts of nipples through them, and that that is the joke. There's four four pornographic renderings of Hollywood starlets. There is no punchline. I guess you That's... got in the mood to masturbate from the lassie thing and now you're sealing the deal <laughs> and that's it i'm not leaving anything out it just it's four examples of beautiful women who might secretly be men uh there's not funny drawings of that uh, there's it's full-on jerk off drawings of that uh so that's it uh that was uh this magazine is crazy uh the worst this magazine, magazine is crazy the the cover is the great pelvis secret um, uh -huh. play on Elvis. There is an Elvis on the front, but Elvis has lipstick on. And so maybe pelvis is like his lady. Is that a female Elvis? Just I trying it on. Right. This is really the, the button. They, they just leaned on that button and then forgot they were leaning on the button. Just every single one. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, now from, we're in 1958. And of course everyone knows that, um, our magazine came out. So it's time to talk about the magazine that eventually led us here. Of course, I'm talking about 1958 Zany Magazine from Kandar <laughs> Publishing. There can't uh, this be one, more of these. This can't happen. This one is 
fucking weird. It's an exact clone of Mad Magazine, but just vaguely wrong in every way. It was less of a hack job and more of a like Star Travelers found a Mad Magazine. They're just trying to communicate. So I have a clipping. Uh, if anyone wants to try to read this out loud or make sense of it, uh, I'd love I'd love that. All right, I'll go. Um, so we're we're skipping past the cover, which it does just feel like general chaos. Which a lot of these <laughs> seem to like the yes. the pelvis secret or whatever it was also had like pictures of every recognizable like cartoon character, including Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, so, I see a Batman. I see a. And like, cover but you would alien. use this There's... to include jokes if like you were like, I'm going to crowd it out because this is a wacky circumstance. And then it's just going to be dense with like little visual jokes, mm-hmm. which is which is what we would do today, which is like a Where's Waldo book. But these are not right. jokes. There's like a barber yeah, no, kicking not. a cowboy in the butt. There's a mermaid holding onto a plane. I'm like, it's it's nothing. There's nothing happening. Superman's flying through the air, but he still has glasses on. That's a joke, right? It must be. It might Is be the start of one, but it's not the end of one. Um, the yeah. So not and then two cartoon characters that don't appear to be from the same universe as the other ones, and they're saying, "Hey, a hot dog!" to one another while holding a hot dog. Um, <laughs> so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There's two cowboys kneeling on the floor. One of them is kind of presenting his butt, and there's a vaudevillian performer behind the cowboy taking off his pants and looking at us. Yes, as if like. Oh, we're about to fuck for sure. You're yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna see two gentlemen fuck. Like is is that maybe that's a joke? And there is a nearby monkey who is leaving. That is the monkey's joke that the monkey is leaving. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna sit around here for this. Yeah, it's all it's all things that you could imagine taking place in one of those like madcap comedy things, but uh, mm-hmm. just without any context um, right. whatsoever. If these were like right, but I don't, the stars I do, I of the late 60s. Okay. Bearded, Bearded's new, new half, half and half. The only milk with a head on it. Um, I don't get it, but go on. <laughs> so I think, yeah, okay. And so then we have sort of the same artistic style of just like random people. I yeah, think that's a lot Gaddafi. Of I think there's like a hobo. And then the, the main character is like, sort of a cigarette spokesman, but he's a half man, half cow. Right. And then there's a the Joe cow Campbell, from the little, if you will, but a cow version. Right. Like a, yeah, Burt Joe Campbell Reynolds, cow. Burt Reynolds is a cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the Burt Reynolds is a cow is saying us cows. know there's nothing like a delicious glass of half and half to top a meal. Yes, sir. All right. Are you guys Here's ready? A joke. Yeah, give it to us. Yes, sir. There's no utter way. Um, Brilliant delivery. (laughs) 10 out of 10 joke. And then there's an actual cow's head uh, in the back, presumably. Oh, yeah. No, it's attached to a a body that isn't addressed. And it says his disposition is so much better since I switched to half and half. Um, So he's been beating her, probably. But now he's drunk, so it has... He's cut back on it. Which is uh, generally not how that works. Right. Uh, I, but, there's but like cow, a, the cow DNA must disrupt it. Again, that's just crowded with nothing. There's like an owl on his cigar. There's a little man bathing in his beer. There are tiny little homunculi drowning everywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why that is. It is terrifying. 
And um, again, this is not part of a running gag. This is a standalone bit in its own universe. There's no there's a Nazi end. Uh, there's no punchline. It's nothing. Why? Uh, so it has something to do with. Oh yeah, look, there is a Nazi. Uh, so it's like <laughs> the drink half and half instead of beer seems to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that that's we have it. some product testimonials at the bottom. Two of them are hey, this isn't food. It's for like. Uh, caulking your windows. It's perfect yeah, yeah. for cementing so it, it appears dishes. to suck. Like many of the products that have been advertised, um, <laughs> it, it appears to not be very good. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There's uh, nothing like it for fixing plumbing leaks. Mr. C. Heifer. It's Wheelie the Wave of the Kitty Set. Little Miss New Calf, Wyoming. <sighs> Look for this trademark. At your local beer milk bar. That's how it goes out. That's the punchline. Crushing punchline. Because of the way we read things, that has to be the punchline. And at your local beer milk bar. Mm -hmm. Uh Beautiful typography. The two words. There wasn't like a play on words. No. My God, I couldn't. I I couldn't even explain. I could not explain comedy to the person that wrote this. Like I could not explain (laughs) human joy to them. I wouldn't know where to start. Being like. Well, what is laughter? I <laughs> think of how disappointed you'd be if, like, you're at a party and someone says, "Oh, you got to meet my friend." They were they wrote for one of the biggest comedy magazines of all time. You're like, "Oh, yes, me too." Okay, we'll have a lot in common. And they come over, and then you start talking. To, it would take like five to ten minutes before you realize, like, "Oh no, oh no, what the fuck is wrong with this person?" <laughs> oh no, I'm going to have to kill myself. <laughs> yes. I have to leave this party and kill myself. But um, anyway, I'm sorry for fucking with you. The 1958 magazine we're going to talk about now is Loco featuring (laughs) art by John Severin. And they also seem to think a man dressed as a woman or vice versa was just a complete joke when you could repeat nine times on a single page for six pages. I have a clipping uh, so you can say I was not exaggerating. This was the opening bit of uh, the issue. If you'd like to look at Switcheroonie. Switcheroonie. Uh, By the legendary it, John Severin. Is it supposed to be like a movie poster? All right. It says the other day. They want to get you there. They want to take you through the fucking twisted mind. Through the journey. Uh, Come with Severin. us. Come with us in the journey of a madman. The other day, while we were drawing beards on some subway ads, we were struck with a weird thought. We were struck with the policeman's nightclub. Uh huh. You no. You completely. No, that's not how jokes work. No, that's not how. But mostly, we were struck with the idea that famous movie stars would look pretty funny if they had been boys instead of girls. (laughs) That's it. And girls instead of boys, they would they would look pretty funny. They they would go a little something like this. (laughs) <laughs> to prove, no, that's not even the whole to prove our theory is correct jesus christ yeah, they won't still stop going. explaining this premise <laughs> we don't think you get it it needs more we asked artist john severin to draw up some well-known personalities in their opposite sex to prove john's drawings are top-notch we present them here in a handsome article entitled switcheroonie switcheroonie and it um so it wasn't it was <laughs> Like that, pre the previous one where they were like, Lassie is a boy, but it's supposed to be a girl. Um, what if that happened in Hollywood? 
and then they just couldn't couldn't get across <laughs> the finish line. Um, let's try that one again. Let's take that one from the top. Let's take it again. But it was such a wild idea that they thought the audience would have so much trouble getting their head around that they uh-huh. dedicated a like long fucking tedious paragraph of prose explaining it to you over and over again. And then sure enough, they deliver. It's just Clark Gable in a dress. It, Clarkina uh, Gable. Clarkin- Clarkina right. Gable in a they dress. They gave him misgendered names. Pretty pretty funny or completely normal, depending on what decade you're they, in. My, uh, f- I do my like- favorite is that uh, <laughs> Roberta Crosby and Frankenstein, and they just gave Frankenstein like some little curls. Yeah, they gave him a little mullet. Uh, Francis Sinatra's great too because he just has a hat and some pearl earrings. Like, no idea, no idea what's going on there. That Elvira Presley. So they they hit back on that. So they they're really like getting around. The, like this was in the zeitgeist for real mm-hmm. in a heavy yeah. way. I did an article uh, many years ago about the uh, American Film Institute's top funniest movies of all time. And uh, me and my buddy Eric were inspired by this because I think like 14 of them were just cross-dressing movies. And uh, <laughs> like their top 10 was just dominated by, by you know, whatever. I can't remember all the names. Tootsie and uh, uh, whatever. The, the other fucking 13 movies about that. Uh, and so I, something about old-timey people just thought this was completely hilarious. Like that Tom Hanks show, I think, ran for 47 seasons. Like they just... <laughs> it's why we have Tom Hanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so that was the, the entirety of, uh, Loco magazine. Uh, but it does lead us into the 1958 magazine that spawned a website that was so important to us for so many years. Uh, looks like we're out of time, but thanks for being here, Jack. <laughs> Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. Love is in the air tonight at 60, count of 60 swinging singles vie for the attention of one lovely mate. Takes a king to rule a country, but only love rules supreme. It's love supreme, let's meet our competitors. Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, Adrian H. Aiden Moat likes long walks on the beach. Oh, hook that one early, step up your game singles. Alpha Scientist Javo. Andreas Larson. Armando Nava likes short walks on the beach. A big swing. Benjamin Cyronin. Finn Talson. Brandon Garlock. Ryan Saylor likes running on the beach. Hey, alright. Brianne Whitney. Brockway loves the meat millet. Yes, he does. Sarah. Rev. Chase McPherson likes medium length beach drives. And okay, yeah, alright. Get that one. Chris Brower, Curious Glare, Dan B, Dean Costello, Donald Finney, Dr. Awkward likes horseback riding on the beach. See, that's how you do it, Chase McPherson. That's how you do it. We got Eric's Baldwin, 
Fancy Shark, Jello, Hambone, fucking loves the beach. Their words, their emphasis. Haraka, Hot Fart. Jacob Thornburg would make love to the beach if only society would allow it. Okay. John Dean, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh S. Ken Paisley is the beach. Not, I'm not following on that one, Ken. Oh, he's doing a beach impression now. That's actually really good. K&M, Laziest Man on Mars. Mark, Matt Riley races the beach to the horizon every night and will do so until he catches her. Hey, that's beautiful, Matt. Michael Lair, Michael Wells, Mike Stiles, Moju, ND. Neil Bailey writes, if you cut me, do I not bleed sand? He's, he's cutting himself now. Good lord, it is sand, masterfully played. Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H, Ozzy Olin. Patrick Herbst has just legally changed his name to Beach McSlop. I, I get Beach, is there a significance to McSlop? No, he's shaking his head no. Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Rich Joslin, Zarkovsky. Spotting Reception just bought the beach, and no other contestants are allowed on it. Baby, if you like the beach, there is one game in town. Ted H has just murdered Spotty Reception and stolen the beach team. Looking back, this one was inevitable. Timmy Leahy. Toasty God has dynamite in a dream. Won't you make a new beach? Together? If that doesn't work on them, Toasty God, it worked on me. Tom Sekula. Tommy G. Yosarian. And our stunning star, the center of all this attention and deserves every bit of it. The gorgeous, the talented, Jaber Al Aiden, whose turnoffs include the beach. Oh, but wait, turn-ons? Dynamite, we got a match, let's love Supreme, folks.